Welcome to Mexico Unexplained, where we will explore the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. This series presents information based partly on theory and conjecture. The podcaster's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the subjects we will examine. Here is your host, Robert Bito. Welcome, and muy bienvenidos to episode number 219 of Mexico Unexplained where we examine the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. I'm your host, Robert Pitto. The date was December 29, 1931. A 24-year-old American botanist named Cyrus Lundell was flying in a small aircraft from the city of Campeche to his new assignment in Belize City, a sleepy Caribbean town in what was then British Honduras. Lundell was an assistant physiologist with the Tropical Plant Research Foundation based in Washington, D.C. The foundation sent the young botanist to British Honduras to assist with experiments involving the sapodilla tree, which yields chicle, then used for making chewing gum. While flying above what seemed like endless jungle somewhere over the eastern part of the Mexican state of Campeche, Lundell noticed massive buildings peeking out of the forest canopy. He noted the coordinates and passed them on to academics interested in Maya ruins. Sylvanus G. Morley of the Carnegie Institution, who was down at Chichen Itza at the time, took great interest in the ruins as they had not previously been reported by anyone to date. Morley would later lead an expedition to the site overland in 1932. The reason why no one knew of this place before is because the ancient city was almost 100 miles away from the nearest town in the middle of the largest expanse of tropical forest in the Americas outside the Amazon. No one owned the land on which the ruins stood. No Spaniard in colonial history or contemporary Maya had been to this no-man's land just north of the invisible border with Guatemala. Morley and his crew mapped the tree-enshrouded city, which seemed to go on and on, disappearing into the impenetrable vegetation. Although Morley and his team were the first to visit the ruins, the honor of naming this true lost city went to Cyrus Lundell, who spotted it first from the windows of his plane. He decided to call the site Kalakmul, which is a combination of three Maya words, Ka which means to, lak, meaning adjacent, and mul, which means pyramid or artificial mound. So ka lak mul then means the place of the two side-by-side pyramids. At the time of its discovery, no one knew how to read ancient Maya glyphs, and no one could recognize the city's glyph if they did discover it. We know now that the ancient Maya called the core of the city Oshtetun, which loosely translates to the place of the three stones. The larger kingdom that Kalakmul ruled over may have been called Chi'iik Na'ab. This is a phonetic reading of an ancient Maya glyph, which may have been associated with the greater kingdom of Kalakmul. No one has yet been able to figure out the meaning of the name Chi'iik Na'ab. There is also a snake-headed name glyph associated with the ruling dynasty of Kalakmul, the Khan family. In the 1990s, Kalakmul was dubbed the Snake Kingdom by some researchers because of this dynastic glyph. 
The reach of the Ka'an family was so great, and the kingdom so powerful, the snake-headed name symbol has a greater distribution throughout the ancient Maya world than any other emblem glyph. This colossal city, first made known to the outside world only in the 1930s, was the center of one of the most powerful kingdoms in the history of ancient Mexico. How did this powerful kingdom come to be? In addition to being one of the largest and most formidable of the ancient Maya kingdoms, Calakmul was one of the longest lasting. Ongoing research is still filling in the blanks of the city-state's early years, but researchers are certain that Kalakmul first emerged as a small town sometime in the early pre-classic period. That would put the city's founding at around 400 BC. Some scholars call this time period the Epi-Olmec era, because the much older Olmec civilization was well into its decline in the first few centuries BC. Archaeologists are divided on what they believe the Olmec's influence was on the founding of Kalakmul, but some of the early art and architecture show an Olmec influence. The city was located near what modern-day Mexicans called a bajo, a low-lying area that turns into a marsh after the rains. These low-lying semi-wetlands have fertile soils for planting, so the setting would have been ideal for farming. In addition, Near the Bajo are rich flint deposits. In those early centuries BC, those deposits were quarried, and the flint was fashioned into arrowheads and other items that were most likely produced in a surplus and traded with surrounding communities or long-distance traders. The network of roads, or sakbes, fan out from Kalakmul's core, and some archaeologists believe these roads may have linked the city with the larger and more powerful ancient Maya sites of El Mirador, Nakbe, and El Tintal in the pre-classic period. So essentially, Kalakmul started off as a center of agriculture and commerce and grew from there. There are many inscriptions throughout the city that tell people of the modern world the history of this magnificent place. The first record at Kalakmul of the enthronement of a king is found on a stone monolith, or stela, and dates to 411 AD. Archaeologists have pieced together a dynastic record from the 117 stelae at the site and from references to Kalakmul rulers throughout the city on other monuments as well as on monuments in other Maya cities. In the early 500s, there appears to have been rulers of Kalakmul who were not of local royal households, leading some to believe that the city, for about a century, was ruled by foreigners or local military leaders. Sometime in the mid-500s AD, the Ka'an family relocated to Kalakmul, possibly from the older kingdom of El Mirador, which was linked by trade and had a political relationship with Kalakmul. Perhaps for the first few centuries AD, Kalakmul was either allied with or was a subject state of El Mirador. And when Kalakmul started to rise and El Mirador's importance started to wane, the royal family of Ka'an moved its court to Kalakmul and made it the capital of the greater Snake Kingdom. The Ka'an dynasty at Kalakmul produced a series of strong rulers with interesting names. Among them were Great Serpent, Split Earth, First Wielder of the Axe, 
Smoking Jaguar Paw, and Sky Witness. In the Maya language, the rulers' names were preceded by their formal title known as K'uhul Khan Ajwab. This translates to Divine Lord of the Kingdom of the Snakes. The Khan family expanded their realm, consolidated their power and wealth, and by the middle of the 6th century AD, Kalakmul came up against another Maya superpower in the region, the great city of Tikal in the south. Kalakmul made alliances with the towns and cities surrounding Tikal, thus trying to squeeze out the city, cutting off its resources and opportunities for long-distance trade. In the year 648 AD, Kalakmul won an overwhelming victory against Tikal at the city of Dos Pilas on the shores of the La Pasión River. Dos Pilas was founded by Tikal just 19 years earlier. They installed a four-year-old boy from a Tikal noble family as the new city's ruler, and the city grew rapidly as a center of commerce. Dos Pilas was 70 miles away from Kalakmul, well within the territory of Tikal, and the Ka'an family made the city one of the largest military bases in the newly annexed lands of the Snake Kingdom. The powerful Ka'an rulers were not able to extinguish Tikal completely, though, and in the year 695, Tikal came back with a vengeance and defeated Kalakmul in a major battle. This was followed by 50 years of Tikal winning small battles against Kalakmul, slowly gaining back its former territory and its former allies. The royal family of Tikal had strong ties of blood and trade to the central Mexican powerhouse Teotihuacan, hundreds of miles away. Some scholars believe that in the late 600s, Tikal got help from Teotihuacan to defeat Kalakmul, thus preserving Teotihuacan's economic interests in the region. One can only imagine warriors from the temperate climate of the basin of Mexico fighting in the steamy jungles of the Maya area, some 800 miles from home. After the major defeat of Kalakmul by Tikal in 695, the kingdoms coexisted without conflict for 25 years until their rivalry became hot again in the year 720. The ruler of the city of Kirigua, who paid tribute to the king of Copan, decided to revolt against the Copan king to make Kirigua an independent kingdom. The revolution in Kirigua was successful, at which time Kalakmul moved in and offered Kirigua the status of protectorate within the greater Snake Kingdom. Copan was always the historic ally of Tikal, and when one of its former territories, the city of Kirigua with 16,000 people, declared its loyalty to a sworn enemy, Tikal attacked Kalakmul's territory once again. This last round of warfare ended in the year 744, after the capture of two major Kalakmul cities, El Peru and Naranjo. Although most of its time and effort was spent battling its southern neighbor, Kalakmul did have rivals with other Maya kingdoms besides Tikal. On April 23, 599 AD, Kalakmul attacked the city of Palenque and defeated its queen, Lady Yol Iknal. Possibly out of respect for Lady Yol Iknal's fine lineage, 
the Ka'an family of Kalakmul, allowed the Palenque queen to remain on the throne for several years after the defeat, although the great lady paid tribute to her new faraway overlords. Thirteen years later, Kalakmul again sacked Palenque after the queen's successor, King Ahenyol Mat, stopped paying tribute to Kalakmul. The Kalakmul invasion force killed the king and another prominent member of the Palenque nobility, a man named Janab Pakal. The city of Palenque never recovered. Archaeologists believe that the Ka'an family of Kalakmul had no interest in governing the city of Palenque. They just wanted control of the lucrative trade routes that Palenque had dominated in the western Maya region. Besides the major wars with Tikal and Palenque, Kalakmul also had many skirmishes with tiny Maya kingdoms that were either independent or allied with the major powers. Kalakmul also put down minor rebellions within its own realm, as some cities and towns did not like living under the Khan dynasty. After the last war with Tikal in 744 AD, Kalakmul started to decline. Fewer and fewer monuments were built and fewer carvings were made with dates on them. The kingdom had pretty much collapsed by the beginning of the 800s, with the last date inscription at the city of Kalakmul reading 909 AD. The grandeur gone along with the royal family and everything else, the city was left to squatters and eventually fell to ruin. As mentioned earlier, not even the descendants of the ancient Maya knew of Kalakmul's existence in the 20th century because the site and surrounding territories had become so overcome with jungle. Today, the ruined city of Kalakmul is a precious time capsule of classic Maya civilization. Because it was not known to the Spanish or any modern-day people, the city was not looted and was as the people left it when Sylvanus Morley did his first investigations of Kalakmul in the 1930s. After its initial exploration, the city was left untouched again until 1982, when the Autonomous University of Campeche began a series of intense research projects on site, which lasted until 1994. It was during this 12-year period that 6,250 structures were mapped in an 8-square-mile area to include pyramids, the royal residences of the Khans, temples, the 117 stelae previously mentioned, and many other buildings. A series of tunnels were also discovered running underneath the main acropolis at the site. In the late 1990s, recognizing the importance of the wealth of information to be found at Kalakmul, the National Institute of Anthropology and History out of Mexico City started permanent, large-scale research at Kalakmul under the direction of esteemed Mexican archaeologist Ramon Carrasco. In the year 2002, UNESCO incorporated the ruins into a World Heritage Site called Ancient Maya City and Protected Tropical Forests of Kalakmul Campeche to further aid in the conservation and research efforts. With research here increased, archaeologists are making important discoveries at Kalakmul on a weekly basis, as most of the capital city of the Kingdom of the Snake is yet unexplored. No one really knows what mysteries are left to be solved with further exploration of this classic 
lost city of the ancient Maya. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained. Remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends by sharing these shows with others. Please go to our website, MexicoUnexplained.com, for references, illustrations, and for free access to transcripts of past shows. Please visit Amazon.com to purchase the books Mexico Unexplained and Mexican Monsters to get hard copies of the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. We appreciate your kind attention once again. Until next time, Thank you and gracias. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained with host Robert Bitto. For show summary, relevant links and commentary, please check out our website at mexicounexplained.com. Like us on Facebook and be a part of the conversation. Adios and hasta la vista.